Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of Unauthorized Cinnamon, a Deadwood podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Harmon. I'm Harry J. Perales, the other. And we're back for episode 10 of season 2, Advances, None Miraculous. Uh, so before we dive in, we want to do some more house cleaning real quick. Uh, thanks to everyone who has gone on and subscribed and rated and reviewed. Uh, we see it and we appreciate it. Uh, and also to the person who left the review saying how great the theme song is, I just want to reiterate again, that's from Space is Dirty that was most generously provided free gratis mm-hmm. by <laughs> my friend Gareth and his band. You can check them out at spacesdirty.bandcamp.com. So give them a listen and a like and buy things. I think you buy things on Bandcamp, right? Mm. Give them some money. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, if you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or any other web marketplace <laughs> that supports Android. Uh, that all helps us climb the charts and get noticed. And we're trying to push for some uh, exciting things in the future. I'm headed into, let's just say I'm headed to LA for a little while in a couple weeks. So let's let's get the word out, folks. Let's help us out here. <laughs> All right, let's dig in. Last we left, the Deadwood crew, uh, horse had gotten loose from the livery and run over poor Steve the Drunk. Yeah. (laughs) And also William. Uh, William's in a... We we start out with Hostetler and General Fields in the livery, and they're... Hostetler's kind of bemoaning that, like, I've spent all these years in this town watching people murder each other and walk around without any problem afterwards. And I'm about to get strung up for something I didn't even try to do. He knows it's his fault that he's, you know, I didn't murder a boy. And he's like, not one of them is going to stop someone from stringing us up. And I like that John Fields is like, John Brown would have. Like, (laughs) I love that they like revere John Brown. Like they're like, that guy, that guy was cool. <laughs> John Brown was badass. Yeah, I've wanted to make a movie based on John Brown. Like, so did, so did um, yeah, it's supposedly like one of Tarantino's like dream projects. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, he's like, if I, some interview, he was like, um, maybe one of my last movies would be uh, about John Brown, but I wouldn't make it like a basically a lot of what he because this was, I think, before he even did uh, Django Unchained, but a lot mm-hmm. of that. That kind of, you know, I didn't want to do it as like an action picture with him and his, you know, sons. But then yeah. he goes on to say, like, and I'd be around that age of him. I could play him. I'm like, oh, 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 oh no, 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 Hold no, on. no, don't, no. Please, please, <laughs> please don't be the white, like. We know you want to say the N-word some more, but don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's a really, it's also very interesting in that, like, he was also a crazy person, too. Yeah. As much as he did, like, cool things, like killing slave owners, that's yeah. objectively awesome. Yeah. Uh, he was also kind of like a religious nut. Yeah. So there's a really good uh, clip on YouTube with uh, Josh Brolin reading like a mm. it's like farewell speech or something. That's interesting. Yeah. I I always pictured John Brown as more of a like if we if we let uh, uh, oh God, his name just if we let Sam Rockwell age <laughs> like <laughs> he's halfway between Sam Rockwell and harry dean stanton yeah <laughs> like somewhere like the the in that cra- sweet spot the craziness of sam Rock- rockwell <laughs> and the wrinkled skin of harry dean stanton <laughs> but yeah anyway deadwood right yeah uh so <laughs> back to deadwood um so seth comes out of the alley and he's got william in his arms and uh i think general field says hey does that sheriff have a kid and Hal Stetler looks out and sees it and is like, oh, my fucking God. Like, yeah. of all the goddamn people. Uh, then we get another one of those great shots where everyone in the camp reacts. Yeah. Uh, I think we talked last time we did this, last week, whatever, that everyone kind of sensed the disturbance in the air. Yeah. And was kind of like something is wrong. Um, and this episode, people see it and we see everyone uh reacting like Trixie comes out and she is crying and Alma kind of hides Sophia's face in her dress and even even Sai looks sh- like shaken up mm-hmm. like we, we don't see a whole lot of 
um, size humanity. But in this one too, even he's like, dude, this is bad. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a part where Seth just cries out like Mrs. Bullock, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, oh, well, this is where Hostetler laments it. Like every day white men have been murdering each other. Fields is kind of optimistic. Like, hey, maybe we can get off too. And But Hostetler knows exactly. Like they're in for worse than that horse guy. <laughs> like yeah. they're going to cut their dick off. Um, that's when Jane shows up and like needing her horse and she's blissfully unaware of everything that's going on. Yeah. Uh, she, like she mentions in the process, like that she knows that fields brought that horse in mm-hmm. and they both go, ah, oh, shit. So mm-hmm. now that's like, that ruins the possibility that no one ties that horse back to us. Um, so Hostetler kind of sees the writing on the wall and he says, I'm not begging any of them for mercy. Like I refuse to, to, to let them, you know, degrade me anymore. And like runs for the shotgun mm-hmm. and fields has to like hold him back. Like he physically gets in between him and the shotgun and is like <laughs> being squeezed by Hostetler. Uh, but then he, he suggests like, Hey, why don't we just like ride out for a while? Let's spend a few days looking for that horse maybe and blah, blah, blah. So, um, but in Al's office, Johnny is reporting to Al, uh, Williams condition says that like, I mean, he's not dead cause he kind of like coughed up some blood. I think he says like, well, and Trixie is just losing her mind. She's so racked by grief. And in the next episode, they kind of touch on the fact that, uh, the horrors all get super emotional over kids. Yeah. Um, and Al has to do that tough love, like shut up or I'll throw you out. Uh, Isringhausen is still there (laughs) just waiting to get these docs, the documents signed. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't trust him to like, she doesn't want to sign over anything or like take any money without Bullock present. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of like, that's your biggest hope is (laughs) like, it's not the best assurance in the world, but no. I guess that's all she gets. He kind of threatens her, like, why don't I just slit your throat right here and now? And she kind of uh, just calls his bluff. Yeah. <laughs> it was like half smart fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to kill her. Um, then Al tells Dan to uh, get Hawkeye. While he does that, Merrick comes up. You know, at first he's like, oh, the poor boy, the, you know, all that. Um, but also he tells Al that uh, Commissioner Jerry is back, is is coming back to camp because he saw he saw the uh, what you might call it, the telegram yeah. on Blazanov's desk. And he's like, gosh, the very same day that I agree to start using my paper for propaganda, like <laughs> now I've betrayed the sanctity of private communication. <laughs> Al's like... <laughs> Uh, shut the fuck up. Whatever. <laughs> um, Al then confirms Merrick's suspicion that they're noticing the pioneer is what has made Jerry come back. Um, Al is in the process of getting Hawkeye and Saul to pretend that they're the Montana interests. Yeah. Since Seth is indisposed because of all this. <laughs> and Merrick is still really excited to be part of a plot. And thus the uncharted journey continued. <laughs> I was like, Merrick, please. <laughs> uh, I think he says, like, if you're, if we're going to be teaming up and you feel one of those utterances coming on, why don't you just take a drink instead? Yeah. Uh, at the, at the Grand Central, EB's kind of skulking around and he's doing this job of filling in everyone <laughs> like it's sort of a i don't know what would you describe it I, I put like greek chorus but it's not it's one guy he's like they all commune around the dead boy the doctor's cabin and it's not his usual like why well, no one invited me to more it's it's just like oh they've all gathered there i'm sure eb would give himself that kind of prominence but i don't think anybody else would yeah. allow him that uh but dan comes in Ask, asking if uh, Hawkeye is there. And, <laughs> EB, here's where EB's 
ego comes out. It's like, oh, what am I just like no more but a room clerk to you? He's like, but no, Hawkeye's not here. He's like, anything else I can do for you? Shine your shoes? Anything? He's like, shut up, Evie. <laughs> and I love his little light. A broken heart does not impair hearing. <laughs> um, back at the Bella Union, Cy wants to know if they've gotten Moe's over to Joni's yet. Uh, <laughs> he finds out they're not even halfway there because Leon is the only one pulling the cart as Khan has had a rupture. <laughs> Uh, Jerry comes in right after that. He's demanding to know where Seth is. Um, as I tell him, he took the kid to the docks. And Jerry's like, well, where can I find this doctor? And they're like, don't be stupid. Yeah, yeah I think don't be like, an yeah. asshole, Tobolowski. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, and they tell, and then his response is like, oh, what, is he dying or something? And they're like, probably, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that is sad. <laughs> um, but Jerry's basically running around scared because he's bought in to Al's line about what, what it, it's he's worried about Montana already. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, don't take much to get your balls talked tucked up does it commissioner <laughs> they're sensitive to changes in the weather <laughs> uh but yeah they're then uh walcott has like probably the line of the episode <laughs> i am a sinner who does not expect forgiveness but i am not a government official <laughs> hey oh <laughs> those knuckleheads in washington Ugh, what a bunch of clowns <laughs> keep up with the news like that uh, but outside docks, Dan is running to fetch Saul, and Saul is do- doing this bit of like, I'm not going nowhere. Yeah. I'm needed here. This is like a very interesting episode of Seth, or, or Saul, excuse yeah. me, being like, I'm serious business time and, and all that. And but Dan is like, doesn't have the patience for it. Yeah. He is that, you getting smart with me? Because I'll pick you up in the air and carry you before the whole goddamn camp like a fucking turtle with your legs wiggling. <laughs> and I love that that works perfectly. Saul's just like, okay. Yeah. I also thought it was funny, like, he's wearing a green jacket and, like, a little bowler hat. Yeah. And it, he kind of looks like a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because of the green and the rounded hat. Anyway. Um... But I wanted to bring up something that Todd Vanderwerf wrote in the AV Club. Um, he says the if the previous episode, Amalgamation and Capital, is about the ways that death haunts us, even in our happiest moments, uh, Advances is about how real life haunts us when all we want to think about is death. Like, death, life, like, we still have these responsibilities to, to carry out, uh, even while we're like, I don't want to do anything right now, I have to deal with this, yeah. like, tragedy. Uh, William may have been struck down, but Cochran still has to deal with removing the bullet from Moe's. And Saul still has to go see Al because Al's running a con on Commissioner Jerry. And Commissioner Jerry's picked today of all possible days to come back to camp. Um, Dan also sees Adams while he's out. <laughs> Dan is just like out trying to gather everybody up. Mm-hmm. He asks him where Hawkeye is. <laughs> and uh, like... Adams is like, why? <laughs> Dana's like, you're about to get a beating for every person that's asked me why today. <laughs> uh, Adams is making the point is like, I, I want to know if you are looking for Hawkeye so we can tell Al where I am because he's kind of afraid of uh, Al finding out about, or not finding out, but like suspecting him of, you know, nefarious doings. Uh <laughs> Adams also has to poo because <laughs> I have to take a shit. It's like, put it off. It's like, it won't be put off. <laughs> Besides, it's not the kind that takes long. <laughs> <laughs> I love this matter of fact talking about shit. Yeah. I long for the simpler days. Uh, outside of uh, Charlie's shop, Jane is, is looking for an old bottle. It's like, 
I'm just trying to spot the bottle, not saying I would drink it if I found it. Uh, she comes across Tom uh, sitting under the stairs crying, which is, yeah. this is what, like, of all the, like, many things to happen that are really bad yeah. and sad in this, like, this is one of the, like, absolute saddest. Yeah. Because Tom's talked just the earlier, just the episode before, he was talking about how uh, Moses' brother getting shot in his bar and, like, the idea of brother going against brother in his bar that has his name on it mm -hmm. is hurtful. And he says, like, it's the most recent hurtful thing because he still lives with Wild Bill having been, been yeah. shot in his bar. Mm -hmm. And now, like, the saddest possible thing has happened more or less on his watch. Do you mean to say? Is it... Yeah, it just, it just says it's not charging. Or it's showing that it's not charging. It's plugged in. Yeah, you should be good. Everything else is... Everything was fine for a few minutes, and then it just kind of... And it was pretty hot, and then it's not anymore, so there's anything going through it. Okay, let's just go through the episode. Or just finish worst up. comes to worst, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> what was I just talking about? Uh, we're talking about Tom. Oh, yeah, Tom. Um, I'm just, just going to make a mark of yeah. this is where we're coming back. But yeah, that's one of the saddest things. It's just ever. like, yeah, and you just see him and it's that kind of like that grief that's like that ugly grief. Like that really, like mm. there's just so much snot coming out of Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's the just, sort where you're not even trying to keep appearances up you're just right. full like i can't take this anymore yeah and it's just like that the pathetic like inconsolable not to say that it but you just like you feel like so sorry you're like god like that's mm -hmm. yeah. the other th thing i think was interesting in this is jane doesn't even begin to bust his balls mm -mm. it's you know there's so many times where like Guys like my feet are cold. Oh, your feet are cold. Why aren't you just a sissy fucking cunt? Or you know, <laughs> aren't you just a fucking little piss in my ear? Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't even begin that. She's yeah. like, oh my god, what's wrong? Yeah. Like it's she recognizes this like really deep, deep grief. Yeah, and knows that something is fucked up. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Tom asked her if she knows whose horse it was, and then she's like, whose horse it was? What? So she now just learning about it mm -hmm. um now we're back at docks and we see william's face as he's lying on the table and his eyes are just moving around randomly yeah this is another thing in deadwood of like fucking eyes and brain injuries like yeah i don't know that seems to be a, a favorite of milch's and it's very effective well i mean it just it just shows like the body is this um this thing that's wired and kind of on it you know we have kind of um i don't want to say romantic ideals but we have ideals about like the soul and the person and mm, stuff like that yeah. but now we're confronted with its meat that's wired through like you know your circulatory system and it's fucked up so it's not working correctly yeah, it's a piece of machinery yeah made a, of water and electricity yeah and it can break yeah exactly <laughs> uh yeah um there's these beautifully composed like i feel like they're trying to get across an entire scene in just the shot because we see martha looking at william's face and it's this heartbreaking mix of like confusion and grief yeah uh and then we see seth and and written all over his face is this it's a proud, strong man that is utterly lost at what to do. Yeah. Because men aren't, I shouldn't say men, like people aren't 
prepared to deal with something like this. No. Because it's one of the most tragic and heartbreaking things that can happen. Yeah. And to be faced with that uh, cruelty of nature is uh, leaves you feeling helpless. Yeah. Um, and Seth especially, because these are not much more than strangers to him. And he has to be filling this role of the patriarch. Yeah. And like leading them and protecting them and, uh, you know, being their guide mm-hmm. in life. And he's just like, I don't know how to deal with this. And I don't know these people even. Yeah. Um, and then also the way Doc is standing, just like you can tell he's just given really bad news. Yeah. And he, he's just kind of looking down like that's that's all I can say is this is what happened. But it's just a beautifully shot thing. And then we get the actual dialogue and Doc is basically telling him that it's hopeless. That He's like, there's like someone our size would not have been able to withstand that trampling. Um, so Seth asks him if it would comfort him to hear Martha's voice. And Doc says, you know, what? it just might. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything particularly brilliant about it, but the line that just really resonated with me is like, let her know that it wouldn't hurt him to put the cloth on his head. Yeah. There's something about evoking that image of being afraid to even put it on the doctor just being like, it's okay. You can. You can do that. And there's also this kind of thing with, like, you know, you want to comfort somebody, but you're also afraid of, like, damaging them. And that's the thing that's keeping you away. It's like, you don't want to touch his head because he's clearly, like, you know, what could go wrong? But in this case, it's like, you know, whatever. Because it's really more for, if it's not going to make a difference, it's really more for the, for Martha. Make her feel like she's helping him. Yeah. Make her feel like she has some kind of ability Mm-hmm. to help him right um so now we go back to the the gem and trixie jewel and Saul are all this is another one of those things where they're powerless and frustrated and they're just taking it out on each other yeah uh jewel not so much jewel's actually keeping her head i, I wrote her down <laughs> at first like she's lashing it but like uh trixie wants jewel to go stand outside docks and Jewel's like, just stay in there? It's like, yeah, just fucking stay in there. I don't, and she's like, I just didn't know if you meant, like, inside or out or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Saul comes in. He's mad that he's been asked to come over to Al's in the first place. Yeah. And then he's been told to just, like, wait in there. Yeah. He's waiting downstairs for Al to be free. Uh, he's also mad that Trixie is back over there. Yeah. He's like, and, you know, kind of digs at her with the whole, have you just been over at our place on his wishes? And she kind of puts him in his place. Yeah. He gets a, he has a fucking drink. <laughs> and, uh, but she ends it on the, like, look, if you couldn't be of use, he wouldn't have sent for you. Like, yeah. trust me, you're, what you're doing here is because you're needed, mm-hmm. basically. Now we get our little comic relief. (laughs) (laughs) Khan is doing uh, what I do every time I help someone move. Just like, oh, I wish (laughs) I could help you. Uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. Here, let me. Oh, well, I better not. (laughs) Oh, well. Yeah. um, Very funny. (laughs) I love that Leon, like. Even when he's like, why don't I take it for a while? Leon's like, are you fucking serious? You're not going <laughs> to This poor fucking junkie has <laughs> to do the heavy lifting. Uh, the very heavy lifting. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, stop, we stop at the gym. I just This was another like funny moment. <laughs> like, uh, Dan comes in with Adams mm-hmm. and is going up the stairs. And Dan just kind of like shouts at he sees Saul like getting up and he's like he wants to see Hawkeye first and Saul's like that's Adams yeah. <laughs> I love that I, I know who it is <laughs> this is another 
thing like what back when Al was out of commission, there was a you know Milch kind of said that when that happens, it's like the home like one part of the mobile has been pulled and the whole thing yeah. is just careening out of control. <laughs> yeah, this is the same thing where like. William obviously is not the central character that Al was, no. but it's such a strange thing that's going on that like there's just these ripples going through everyone of like yeah. everyone's trying to find which way up is, and like what the hell's going on? Don's like Dan's just like I'm doing what I was fucking told. Yeah. <laughs> everyone leave me alone. Um, inside Al's office, uh, <laughs> Al is still trying to get rid of Isringhausen. Uh, he's like, why would I have brought Seth in if I was going to kill you? And she's like, well, maybe you started that commotion in the thoroughfare to get him out of there. And he's just like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Adams comes in. There's this awkward reunion of, of the lovers. Oh, boy. And she's like, have you come to f- kill me, Silas? <laughs> he's like, I wouldn't turn down the chance. <laughs> little bitch <laughs> shut up uh she finally is like signing <laughs> and you know isringhausen's been calling al on his shit for a long time and yeah. he's like like what are you signing like a when he said he says a false hand is that like the wrong signature or the wrong or a different name do you know oh i just assumed she was writing with a different like uh she was, if she was different right signature yeah at any rate she's like mightn't the my hand in the register be the false one and this my true hit and i was just like i'm not uh, don't don't get cute and she's like <laughs> okay and finish yeah. <laughs> finish to that uh there's this great little i think um sarah paulson is doing really good subtle acting of like yeah. he reaches into his like chest pocket her breast pocket to, and you see her like kind of tense up and mm-hmm. flinch, but like just slightly. Yeah. She doesn't know if it's going to be money or a gun, yeah. uh, but it's money. Uh, as he gives it to her, he has that line. I wish I had five like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's great, man. Uh, yeah. It's a shame that, uh, yeah, she's right now. Do what? It's a shame that, uh, they're trying to get rid of her. So. Yeah. Well, they, uh, yeah, I think we brought up, earlier like is she is she had some kind of commitment to a play or something like yeah that. i think yeah. she was in a play in new york or something they had to write her out but um she relaxes a bit like at that compliment she's kind of like thanks but still the like i don't know if it's that thing where uh she's just walking normally and you're reading into it like oh she's clenched up the whole t- like yeah you when you walk and like you're trying to turn like <laughs> A coal into a diamond between your ass cheeks. Like, yeah. You're all clenched up walking. That's what it looked like to me. And I don't know if it's that thing of like, she's just walking normally and everyone. I think she's also just the way she's dressed, you know, she's <laughs> in that old dress. Like <laughs> you try walking out with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like to think she did it. What's that? What's that? Uh, what movie was that with like, I think Greta Garbo, like at the end, like it's world renowned for like, Oh, that mysterious look on her face uh-huh. at the end of the movie. It was like the or something like that. Uh-huh. And <laughs> it turns out like the director just told her like, show no emotion at all. <laughs> Don't show anything. And everyone's going to put onto that, whatever they want. There's a really great, uh, <laughs> there's a really great story that Eddie Murphy tells where like, you know, he got nominated for the Oscar for dream girls. And he's like, Everybody tells me, oh, that look you give, Eddie, that look you give, where you just stare at him when you're doing coke and you just give him that look. He's like, man, I've put on like makeup. I've like been like seven <laughs> different people in different movies. And it's just, oh, it's a look that almost got me an Oscar. <laughs> I played a, a, a fat lady. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's also the, the Kuleshov effect, which I'm, a, I'm, you know, it's the, the famous editing technique where um, they just film the guy's face. And then they cut to a bowl of soup, they cut to a casket, and they cut to, like, a little girl playing. And, you, you know, it was just the guy just, you know, just staring forward. Right. But uh, based on the images that you see, you're like, oh, he looks so hungry. Oh, he looks so mournful. Oh, he's a sweet old man re- recapturing his youth. But no, it's just right. the, the magic of editing. Yeah. So I like to give it to Sarah Paulson because she is a really good actress. Oh, yeah. She's fantastic. But... Uh... It could just be us. 
we're simple animals. We're just bags of water and electricity, and we're <laughs> we're very susceptible to whatever. Susceptible to <sighs> we were so smart for a little while. Yeah. Back at the shades on me. <laughs> Uh, we're back in the chaise me, and we have a brief establishing of why Jane and Joni are there and not at docks with, with everyone else. Yeah. Uh, there's a, Jane's just kind of like, last thing they need there is an unlubricated drunk. <laughs> like, just, th- I, I like to imagine that where everyone's tired and Jane is just like, I'm about to throw up. <laughs> but, uh, Joni says she doesn't like blood. And then, Which, um, <laughs> yeah, and then, then Lenny and happened? Squiggy come in. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Lenny and fucking Squiggy. It's so good. Uh, yeah, Con and Leon come in. And <laughs> I, I just wanted to be Squiggy voice the rest of the episode. <laughs> so we got this big fat guy. <laughs> I love the, the, the burst. <laughs> Con says, oh, I may be hurt worse than him. <laughs> Con, you old shit ass. Yeah, that was really funny. Uh, but now we're in the number ten. Uh, I just have written down Steve is complaining racistly. Yeah, and that's all. I mean, he's mad about Hostetler and Fields letting the horse loose, and he's relapsed full into racism. Yeah. Um. So does. So does everybody kind of assume, or does everybody basically know that it was, or is it because? I did wonder about that, because they were kind of thinking maybe no one knows. But yeah, but I mean, Jane knew, and if she was talking to Tom, maybe she told Tom, and Tom... Well, Tom doesn't yeah. come back in until oh, okay, after right, yeah. Steve is saying all this. Yeah. So I think Steve just knew. Yeah. The horses, yeah. And also, he... <laughs> I forgot he had the very infamous. He saw, well, he he saw some fresh meat. So. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and Steve is tied inextricably to the livery, as we'll see in the yeah. continuing episodes. Um, but also, it's just like a very conspicuous horse, yeah, dragging around town. So, um, but Tom does come in, and. Uh, that this is another one of those things that years after the first time I watched the show, I remember Tom just like wanting the bicycle gone. Yeah, like just get it out of here. Yeah. Ugh, so heartbreaking. Uh, he especially just because you know you see Tom after we've seen Tom like you know unsure of like his like you know scared and you know wanting Con to be like the sheriff just because mm-hmm. somebody he knew and he's freaking out about all the changes that are happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the awful things that are going on. He finally, there's this bright spot. He's like, oh, I can be a part of this. Look, I can be, you know, you know, the, the kid's a stranger to him and he's like taking a shine to him and to have something like so uplifting mm-hmm. and so, you know, just be taken away from you. Yeah, it's it's one of the saddest things of the whole series and in TV history, I think. Yeah. Um, back in Al's office, <laughs> Saul is finally getting his audience. And <laughs> Al starts off with a joke about <laughs> Saul being Jewish, and <laughs> Saul's just not in the mood for it. <laughs> He's like, I don't find those kind of jokes funny. <laughs> I love Al's like, Jesus Christ, show me the fucking grip that proves my regret and let's get on with our business. <laughs> like, what, what do I have to do to just, like, I'm sorry. Like, goddamn. Uh, but basically, Al wants Saul to give Adams uh, some details about Montana politics that Adams can throw in to make a story about being courted by Montana for annexation, like just to give it the ring of truth and help him convince Commissioner Jerry that he actually did meet with these Montana guys. Yeah. Um, now we go back to Alma's room and she asks Trixie about william but trixie is there to ask her about ellsworth yeah uh alma says she likes the idea of ellsworth as a dad which is like 100 percent correct it's like he's a great dad um but she says due to her experience in the matter like she's not crazy about 
being in a marriage without love. Mm-hmm. Trixie's kind of like she Tina Turner's the whole thing, and <laughs> what's love got to do with it? Yeah. And and also, I mean, you're talking to you're complaining about a marriage not about love <laughs> yeah. to a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't. Not the most sympathetic. No. But, you know, she comes around later. Yeah. Um, in Al's office, uh, Saul is... <laughs> here we see Saul really, like, <laughs> coming into his own... We were saying earlier that he likes to think himself needed and important, and he's never felt more important than yeah. <laughs> this. Even though he's, like, super talented at so many other things, like, yeah, he's yeah. like... I'll tell you some things about politics. And he's like, oh, this guy's over in Butte and this guy's over in Helena. And Al's just like, you need to give me something to work with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it comes out that he was <laughs> like, has Clark ever been to Butte? And he's like, yeah, Clark's been to Butte. I had dinner with him. <laughs> Al's like, don't tell me we might be getting some. <laughs> <laughs> I love this kind of turnaround of Saul being made to look like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're at the shits on me. <laughs> I love, like, Doc is examining Khan. <laughs> he, I think, uh, hits upon his rupture or whatever. Khan's, oh, murder me, someone. <laughs> um, he's like, all right, you got a rupture. Just relax. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, he starts to leave and they say, like, aren't you going to operate on Moe's? And Doc basically says, I'm not wasting my time. Yeah. Because he's gone. It's like, I have other people I need to see to. And, like, I wouldn't be able to get through all the fat <laughs> to, uh, to to get to the bullet. Like, and the bullet's, like, too close to the heart. Basically, it's hopeless. And Doc's not even going to bother um, but back at uh, Doc's place, we see William. He starts coughing, and this this is one of those very simple and effective things of like his little cough just like makes makes her flinch. Yeah, and like you know, even though it's not the most you know graphic coughing and like shooting blood out and blah blah blah, just her flinching tells you how precarious the situation is and how bad off William is. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very effective. And um, she tells Seth that she wants to take him home. Uh, and Seth says, you know, Doc says it's better he's not moved. Yeah. And she has that line, there's no better about it, is there? Which is um, heartbreaking. And now we uh, are back at the the Pioneer, and Jerry Jerry wants to talk with Merrick, but Merrick uh, does not want to talk to him, so he locks him out and pulls down his little shade. Yeah. <laughs> there's this great bit of Jerry going to the other window to look in. Like staring at him. <laughs> and Merrick's just like, ah, well, that's... D- oh, what the? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we... We go back to Doc's cabin and Doc, he gets there and kind of looks in the window and he sees the family together and he realizes then like they need to be left alone. There's nothing I can do here. Like as much as I don't give a shit about Mo's manual living right now, that's something I can actually control. Yeah. Um, but we go back to Al's office, and now Jerry is talking with Al and Adams. And Adams is a this is the first scene of Adams like acting disg- <laughs> disgusted and impatient <laughs> with Jerry. Not a huge stretch to mm-hmm. act that way towards Jerry, but it's uh, very specific for this situation. <laughs> Jerry has a slimy little. I should hope that even in the gravest of outcomes, the sheriff's crisis could produce the blessing of our reconciliation. It's like, Adams is just like, you know, stomping his feet, cross arms, like, oh man, let me at him. Like, (laughs) you know. Hold me back. 
what does he say? He says something. Uh, you know, look, we don't condone the sort of homophobic joking, but Adam says, sounds like you take it up the ass. And Jerry's response is very funny to me. Like, I do not, my friend Adams, take it up the ass. <laughs> Uh, and then you could, you could I think Al finally steps in and is like hey calm down and Adam's like maybe you take it off the head. and Al's like you need to like yeah, he gives him that look of like turn it down to yeah. 8 like you're at 11 <laughs> uh, but now Adams launches into his story uh, of this he's met a uh meeting a representative of this guy, Clark, who's a Montana bigwig in the back of the restaurant, the stone house They're They're, they're very specific about, uh, he meets him with a bag over his head and, uh, offer for $50,000, uh, to secure loyalty to Montana instead of Dakota. Al just kind of lets Jerry find his way to the point that like, why, would someone who Adams has never met take the time to disguise his appearance? Could it not have been Clark himself? And Al's like, say, <laughs> I hadn't considered that. <clears throat> so Jerry says, like, let me go back to Yankton and I'll find a counter offer for you. So Jerry runs out and Adams is like, what just happened? <laughs> and Al says, we're going to get elections. <laughs> I love that so many times throughout the series, like we see Al like take you step by step into what's going on. Mm -hmm. And in this time he's just like, this means we're getting elections <laughs> and it's that we find out later, but there's a whole thing of like, I know five steps ahead and you mm -hmm. guys will just have to wait <laughs> to see how we get there. Mm -hmm. Now the first of a recurring theme, Adams kind of goes, I wonder how that poor kid's doing. And Al's just like, ain't my department. <laughs> uh, but we will talk more about that later. Yeah. So we're at this campsite with Fields and Hostetler, and Fields is taking a piss. <laughs> Hostetler wants him to move, <laughs> get further away. Uh, Fields is scared to wander out in the dark. They hear the horse whinny in the distance. Uh, and Hostetler says, like, I want to catch him, bring him back to camp. And Fields is like, I mean, that's just going to lead to you getting killed. Mm -hmm. And Hostetler's like, I won't let him. I'll kill myself first. And there's that you know, line Fields has that sums it up. It's like, they ain't hung you yet, Hostetler. Maybe they never will. But they sure have made you crazy with pride. Uh, but then Fields' little trip has the intended effect. Uh, Hostetler says, like, you know, look, if we take the horse back, we apologize to the Bullocks. If they let us live, <laughs> we can go out to Oregon and open a livery. So, yeah. Hostetler is at least allowing for a third option, not uh, killing or being killed. Yeah. But in the Bella Union. Jerry shows back up to tell them about the meeting with, with Al. <laughs> and Cy is like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Walcott just wants to know how much the offer was. Like, they don't care about this little, uh, you know, uh, business rivalry between Al and Cy. Yeah. They're like, whatever, just give them the fucking money. I don't care. <laughs> um, uh, and at the end, Walcott just asks if Swearingen had any word of Bullock's boy and Cy digs at him. He's like, it's surprising which comrades will turn up sentimental. Yeah. Which is kind of a dig, but it's more of like Walcott showing his depth. Of yeah. Like he, you know. It's also that bit um, where Jerry talks about how the figure of money may not be real, but Swearingen is. Mm. It's like that line. Yeah, that is good. Like, <laughs> He he actually has some pull and yeah. Now we get the scene in docks where this is kind of a simple scene, but it's also 
Seth sort of becoming the father figure yeah. of the family. A bit late, but it's finally happened. Martha starts talking to him, and then Seth talks to him. I was wondering where you came in, because at first I was thinking he was talking, like impersonating William's actual dad, Mm -hmm. because he talks about like his duck calls, which Seth hadn't heard yet. Yeah. But I think it's somewhere of like Seth finally moving into the role of Mm -hmm. the father, and even if he's pretending to be Robert, what he's saying is true. Yeah. Like, this is how he actually feels Mm -hmm. about William. Yeah. I don't know how you read it when you were watching. I read it about the same. I I think it's, you know... Really, it's just both of them are doing whatever they can to, like, comfort him and kind of... Because, like, like, uh, it it also just made me think of, like... um, it, it kind of was personal to me just because I um, had a situation when I was two and a half where I was kicked by a horse mm. and uh, I like uh, landed on like the, it was in Mexico and I landed on like the ground and uh, my mom always tells me the story about like because she wouldn't like let me fall asleep because mm-hmm. I would like yeah. to keep me caught did ever she would like hit me to do it you know and a kid with a broken skull you don't want to like shake them but she apparently like shook me and to keep me awake, she would, like, sing Daisy. Oh, my God. And just the image of, like, riding in a van into the middle of nowhere in Mexico, like, looking for a hospital, holding this baby with, like, a or this little kid with a broken head and singing Daisy to it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so it's just, it's that thing. It's like, a, a, what is it, lo- what what does the child love? You know, and apparently that was my favorite song. I, I don't remember that being my favorite. I only knew it from 2001. I was about to say, like, yeah. your movie fan was yeah, in 2001. Yeah. yeah, no, I that was when I first heard my mom. I was like, no, that was your favorite song when you were little. I was like, well, apparently I got sick of it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but now at the Grand Central, we see the blossoming of Richardson's new religion. Uh, <laughs> he's holding up the antler to, to the the uh, antlers up on the wall. He's praying for William. Evie's kind of like, "What are you doing?" He's like, I, "I'm praying for him." Like this antler protected Mrs. Garrett in the thoroughfare, yeah. so maybe it'll help William. Evie's just, I think he softens a little bit, even though he's still making fun of Richardson. He's like. Yeah. Well, I guess it won't hurt anything for all the harm you'll do, you know. And I think there's a little bit of him like, man, whatever works right now. Yeah. And yeah, exactly what like, you know, what Martha and uh, Seth are doing, too. They're just whatever works, whatever is going to work. Right. And it's just this, like you were saying, this helplessness over nature taking its course. Yeah. The next scene, the pioneer, is like this really beautiful scene. There's Saul, Merrick, and Blazanov. They're just sharing coffee, mm-hmm. and there's they're not saying anything. Um, and earlier on in the Bella Union, I think it was Jerry makes a comment of like combat makes comrades. Yeah, and that made me think of this scene where. You know, Merrick and Blazanov almost, you know, kind of had a relationship, but Saul and Merrick, not so much, and certainly not Saul and Blazanov. <laughs> but they're all brought together because yeah. of these, you know, this situation <clears throat> uh, where in the gym, and uh, Al asks Trixie why, why she's not among the circumcised. And Trixie's just, you know, we find out later she's just going back to where's familiar for her yeah, and comfortable because of this horrible thing that's happened. Al can see that she's distraught and that's where the episode gets its title. Like they saw advances Trixie, none miraculous. Yeah. I've used that throughout my life since then of just <laughs> like, you know what, man could be worse. Yeah. Um, 
And he tells her to go stand with the gimp. Yeah. And we see... We see the camp again. Mm -hmm. Like the whole body of the camp reacting to one of its parts sustaining a trauma. Yeah. Woo rings that kept a jewel. Yeah, I wondered what that was. I assumed it was just some tea to keep her warm or something. Yeah. But she, you know, tells her, I can't, right. <laughs> like, no, gimp. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hold the cup. And Wu just... <laughs> and Saul comes up and, like, you know, it tips his cap mm-hmm. to Wu, but Wu kind of still just sulks off. I think he's upset that he got turned down by, by Jewel because he was trying, like, taking a big leap out of his, yeah. you know, um, out of his regular zone. Yeah, to show, like, you know, that... He's still a part of the camp. Yeah. And so he feels rejected, but he it's just the miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, it's still incredibly moving. Mm-hmm. And Wu has his day coming later. Uh, Trixie comes over and joins him. Inside Doc's... Doc is making the point... Or he's talking to Trixie. I think they might still be outside. Mm-hmm. He's making the point to Trixie that, like, the hoof hits just one inch to the left, the boy's pain is gone. They don't have to watch him suffer. Yeah. Like, it could it would just kill him right away. Like, or an inch in the other direction, he misses him, you know, that sort of thing. He says, I doubt he's omniscient. I know he's myopic. Mm. <laughs> Talking about God, which is <laughs> uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, going back to Todd Vanderwerf in the AV club, he says, uh, uh, with Moe's, like Moe's kind of is waking up as Doc is working on him. They're trying to save him. Moe's kind of gasps to life and yeah. it's contract contrasted with William's last breaths. Yeah. It's like, was, um, that a, was that a death rattle or? It it might have been. Yeah, I wrote it down as a death rattle. I wasn't sure. Oh, okay. I, I just didn't catch it. Yeah. And like, if any of those two people deserves to die, it's Moe's. And Moe's wanted to die. Yeah. Um, but it's William that, that loses life. And there's not really a moral behind that other than just like, Sometimes it just works out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but at the Grand Central, Andy has showed back up in town. Andy Cramed. Mm-hmm. Eb says, you look familiar. He says, <laughs> I came last year to hustle dice. I took sick with the plague. I ministered now in lead. And Eb says, how's the new racket pay? <laughs> <laughs> I like EB in this poem. <laughs> it's still played like he's the asshole because Andy shoots him a look, but like, that's eh, pretty funny. Come yeah. on. But anyway, <clears throat> he he kind of says that like, you know, it's uh, you know, however much for rooms, like it's this much more if you're going to set up a game of dice in there. <laughs> um, but. Once he learns where the dock is and where William is, he he heard about William's injury. He's coming to min- like read a well, it's not last rites, but just kind of minister to the family. Yeah. And then he starts to walk towards Doc's cabin, and the start like it's this eerie look of like he's like the angel of death. Yeah. Because he's you know dressed as a minister and holding a Bible, which, um in a lot of instances can be very intimidating to people. Yeah. And he's walking with such straight backed purpose towards there. Uh, and again, we see like Alma sees him from the window. Ellsworth has been watching the hardware store this whole time, which there's a lot of times where like just people will be watching the hardware store. And it's, yeah. It's, it's interesting to me. They, you know, he, he sees him out the front door. Um, Alma is back outside her room. She asks Richardson to stand outside the door and let Sophia know where she's going. If Sophia wakes up, like mm-hmm. let her know that her mom's just outside and all is well. Does she, <laughs> she has that great, she's like, 
but don't let her see you. Don't, well, like, don't go in yeah. because that might yeah. <laughs> frighten her. It would be very scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, EB's like pouting about it, and he, but he looks out and sees Andy. Um, Alma goes out and stands next to Ellsworth. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy then, Andy is getting closer, and he walks past Saul, Trixie, and Jewel. And there, it's a really this shot I think really drives home the idea of him as Angel of Death because they all just kind of look at him in awe. Mm-hmm. It's not like who's this? Guy? They they all like seem to understand why he's there. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think that drives home with everybody that you know it's really like William's actually gonna gonna die. We see the the crew at the gem just sitting around, which is another nice shot mm-hmm. just seeing them all gathered. It really just reminds me of, um, and a lot of situations in my life when like, um, you know, just having to be in like a waiting room or just this like gathering of people, mm-hmm. like for somebody in my family who was in a car accident or was an overdose or something and just like waiting and just like that kind of, like standing vigil or something, you know, mm-hmm. and just like the end of this episode really just brought that home. How like kind of still and silent it is, and they're waiting for like, you know, because yeah, you're just sitting there, you're waiting for them to be like, oh, they made it, they came through, you know, everything's all right, and yeah, usually never, that usually does not happen when when it's that serious. Yeah, but yeah, the the episode ends with. Andy walks up to Seth, and Seth looks him looks at him with the same kind of mix of confusion and, and awe, yeah, and wonderment and all that. And once he gets there, is when Saul finally just walks off. Yeah. And as much as Al has been saying, like, "What do I care about some snot-nosed brat?" You know, he sees Saul leaving, and the fact that Saul is walking away tells Al what is going on yeah. and we see Al just kind of like go god damn it yeah. and we end on uh, Saul's face and just the kind of the hint of classiness where he's just fuck you know? yeah but yeah this is a very powerful episode and, and like uh, you know Todd, Todd Vanderwerf said AV Club it's it's uh, while we're trying to just focus on you know, this huge event in our lives, like life doesn't stop for us. Yeah. We still have stuff we have to do. And that kind of continues in the next, next episode. Um, but yeah, this is for a slower episode of this season. It's still packed with like a lot of great shots and and moments. Yeah. A lot of great acting too. Yeah. (laughs) Really great performances (laughs) by everyone. All right, any concluding thoughts? Um, All right, well, folks, like we said, check us out on iTunes and everything else, Stitcher, what have you. Uh, Rate, review, and subscribe. Check us out on Facebook. You can just Google Unauthorized Cinnamon. We're on Facebook. Find us on Twitter at DeadwoodPod. And uh, check out our page on MockingbirdNetwork.com. And uh, until next week, we'll... See you later. We'll be back next week with episode 11, The Horse Can Come. So, until next week, enjoy watching Deadwood. Mocking Bird Network. Some details about Montana, Montana politics. Montana. Montana. <laughs> hey, man. First we get the money. <laughs> Fly, pelican. Uh, <laughs> Please, let's just cut that all out. <laughs> that was just for us. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a, a little nugget at the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>